Welcome back to our podcast, Breathe Underwater. I am your host, April Salazar. And I am the lucky second host, Whitney Waddell. Yeah, you are. And on our show, we believe that instead of trying to struggle and feel like you are drowning in an ocean of nonsense, or tragedy, or fill in the blank, that you should sink to the bottom and learn how to breathe underwater. Embrace the chaos and yep. just allow it to happen to you. Yep, just flood all over you. Mm-hmm. Last you heard from us, we spoke with my mother, Sandy Aguilar, and she shared her story with her two marriages. One where she endured physical abuse and violence and mental abuse and emotional abuse, I might add. And another where she endured a lot of mental abuse and a lot of anguish from disastrous decisions that were and that were made. And experiencing some infidelity and how she worked through that as a mom, as exactly. a woman. We got some really great takeaways. I am pleased to welcome her back for part two of this interview. Thank you, Sandy, so much for being back with us. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. So yes, that's a lot. For all of you who listened to the first part, I'm sure that you're like, goodness gracious, what else is this lady going to share with us? But (laughs) I'm not trying to exploit her. I really am trying to celebrate her because I do think that going through certain obstacles, tragedies, adversities, horrible experiences, although they are what they are by definition, it's also incredibly inspirational to a lot of people out there who may not have hope or may not know what the hell to do. And that's really why we do this. Absolutely. We touched on abuse from your second marriage, physical abuse, where you were getting beat every weekend for five years. You were getting mental abuse and horrible language almost on a daily basis. And then with your first marriage, you experienced all of the effects of what infidelity brought while you were pregnant with twins and then ultimately your husband leaving you for your sister and disappearing for a number of years even before you had contact with him and kind of what followed after that and then your beautiful takeaways and your golden nuggets of how you learned to breathe under that water. So I just want to get right into it. At the beginning of that episode, you mentioned child abuse, and that's one that is very hard to even say out loud, but one that is unfortunately a reality of our of our lives. And I'd like to um, invite you to share your story about that kind of abuse that you experienced as a child. Okay. Um one thing I do need to say is there is help out there today. Mm. So women that need the help, use it. Absolutely. There's numbers. There's all kinds of hotlines. I mean, if you get to the point where you just say, I cannot, you can and reach out for the help. Amen. Absolutely. So child abuse, yes. I am uh, the second youngest of nine children, my mom and dad. Um, two girls, actually it was three girls and seven, six. Big family. Six brothers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice, nice big family. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
my mother was always a very manipulative, very, very strong woman. Very strong woman. She was the queen bee. Uh, loved my brothers to death. I mean, those were her world. That's all she had was boy after boy. Her first child was a girl mm-hmm. between her and my dad. They had a, a daughter who passed away at the age of 18. Um, and then from there, you know, it was boys, boys, boys. And then it was me mm-hmm. and then my younger sister. Um, as far as I can, I can actually remember as of from the age of three. <laughs> um, I remember my mother would go through these spells. Of course, I was three. Mm-hmm. And um, she would have these outbursts. And for some reason, I don't know if I cried a lot, <laughs> but she would hit me. And hit me, mm-hmm. hit me, until my father would have to take her off of me. Well, I'm only three, so I'm getting to the age three, four, five. Still, she hits me anytime I would cry, or I, I, I did not understand. So you don't necessarily remember why exactly, because I was started. I could remember when I was three. Well, I I will just say that I have four children, and although my children are very well behaved, they are still children. Exactly. So oftentimes you hear of really young kids being beat by their parents Mm -hmm. for very basic things, like maybe crying if they're hungry, or if they wet themselves, or any kind of very normal characteristic of a toddler. That's very true. One, my mother and father never had a good relationship, but they stayed together till the day he passed. Never. When you mean it wasn't a good relationship, there was, was a lot of infidelity. Always, my dad or from my mother. both par- oh, from both parties. Yeah. Okay. But they stuck it out together. But it was, it was not a good relationship. But I never wanted to be like my mother. I mean, as a strong woman, yes, my mother was very strong. She could confront anything, anyone. She was very well educated. My mother was very well educated, as my father was not. Mm-hmm. But when you mean well educated, what do you? She was to? a nurse. Okay. She was a nurse. Um, she stopped nursing when my sister passed away because she could not save her. My s- sister drowned in a bathtub, which is probably another story. My mother had many boyfriends. I did not understand that. I'm a, I'm a child. I mean, I know, okay, she's that's my father. Why is she with another man? And she would take me with her. Oh, except, so I was just about to ask. So she wouldn't, she, would she bring them never, to never. never? So you guys would go out? She would, okay. since I was the baby at the time, mm-hmm. she would put me in the car and take me mm-hmm. with her. Because a five-year-old is not supposed to remember. Mm-hmm. She had one particular boyfriend. Now I can say it was a boyfriend because I knew. Now I know. One time she left me in the car for like two hours while she was in a hotel room. And I'm going to tell you guys, I loved my mother till the day I die. She died. I'm going to love her. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Took care of her till the day she died and closed her eyes at home. But she was in love with this one particular person that we all got to meet. He was one of my dad's workers. I don't know how she swindled him into living with the family. 
but he moved into one of the rooms in our house, and we lived very poorly. The boys had one room, the girls had one room, and my parents had a room. And the boys' room was made out of plywood put together and a bunch of bunk beds. And he, I don't know where they put him to sleep, but I know they brought him. And he was around a lot. And my mother started hitting me more as I was getting bigger. Uh-huh. I was five. When you say hitting you, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, when give us she, an example. She would get a rope or a jump rope, and she would beat me till I would pee in my pants. I would urinate until mm-hmm. my brother or someone would see her and take her off me. Mm-hmm. I never understood. Then when I was a little over five, her boyfriend raped me. In your home? Yeah. Yes, he did. Mm. And I went to her, and I told her, and I cried, and I got beat so bad for telling her. For telling. I'm sure that you didn't even understand not what at it all. was that he had done to you. Not at all. So I know my mother got married at the age of 13. Uh-huh. She was a child herself. I may be making excuses for her, but she went through a lot of trauma herself. But I was the baby at the time. I was the only girl left because she lost her other daughter. Um, it was all boys. The boys did no wrong. Girls, I don't know. It was this issue. Uh-huh. Time passes, I get older, he's still around. So he's still there. He he's goes still nowhere. There. He goes nowhere. Did so I'm sorry. Did it did it continue or was it just the once? It tried again and then I became very one of those children that would fight like you couldn't imagine. Mm-hmm. I would bite, I would scream, I would leave. I was like one of those little kids that was not afraid to walk. Two down, blocks down away. the street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you experienced the rape as a very young child, I'm trying to understand the logistics. Was that in a moment where out of seven men, seven brothers and ex, you know, you because you talk about having this really large family, and I know that you were the youngest, but understanding where your dad was, where your mom was, where all your brothers were when that happened. Some of my brothers were already in the military. They went to the Vietnam War. Okay, so they were much older. Yes, yes, yes. So they were older, and then Lord knows where your mother and your father were. My father was always working. Okay. Always working. His hands were always torn to pieces. Mm -hmm. Always working. My brothers were hardly around because, like I said, military... As soon as they turned 18 and graduated, enlisted, and were gone, and then they had the draft, so my brothers were gone. Some of them were still there and young, but they were they were doing their life, 16, 17. They were all gone partying. So, And my mother had her, she believed that she was going to do what she wanted. She did. If she wanted to go out partying, she would go out partying. If she wanted to go buy a horse for $3,000 and we had no food, she was going to go buy a horse for $3,000. I mean, at one point, my dad had a ranch with nine horses. Mm-hmm. That's where I learned how to horseback ride. Um, so she, she she had everything. We had, we lived 
I can't even tell you if I could just show you the pictures because I have pictures of how we lived. You wouldn't believe it. But she drove a Cadillac, had a fur coat, beautiful lady. So then when did that turn to extreme poverty where you're piecing together plywood walls for bunk beds? We always lived in poverty, but they never showed. They had, she had her Cadillac and her clothes and her makeup. My father had his trucks and his job. But we lived with nothing. Now try to make me understand that. I don't know. I don't know. Your mother mm-hmm. beats you. Yes. And then her boyfriend, who somehow started living with the family, mm-hmm. rapes you. Yes. You didn't understand nothing. what had happened. No, I just knew that as a five-year-old, you don't know how to react other than pain Mm -hmm. a pain that no child no child in their life should have to go through Mm -hmm. yes and i still love my mother and so you went to her and she told me to not get near him and it was done it was over And I was never to speak about it. And you move on. You live life. I'm five. At five. At five, she said this. I'm five. So then I become a rebellious little girl. Mm -hmm. Well, you need to protect yourself because obviously nobody's protecting you. And I was not afraid of nothing. I think that's what made me be able to overcome what I have gone through. As I also adult. think it's part of the reason why you were drawn to that kind of abuse as well. Also, yes. At what point in your childhood, you know, before you were in your teens, mm-hmm. at what point did you understand that you were being abused physically because you said that there was one other rape attempt that you fought back and ultimately avoided or that one happened as i was older when i was divorced with okay it wasn't with this same we're talking about with right as a child Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes he did try once again and i bit i screamed i took off running like i i became a very mean very mean Mm -hmm. person but only with certain people Mm -hmm. because you're just trying to protect yourself and like i said i could walk to the store at five Mm -hmm. and not be afraid Mm -hmm. i was not afraid well your innocence was taken taken from from you so he tries again it does not succeed it does not succeed no because i'm at that point i'm i know that a knife can cut Mm -hmm. and back (laughs) and back in your in your home this is he's attempting again and then i think i'm thinking my mother might have talked to him or told mm-hmm. him you touch her i, I don't know Not but there was a conversation did anybody s- recognize that he had been bit or no a, okay no he, there was so much commotion in our house mm-hmm. i mean people coming and going my brothers right. had friends that came and gone and at the time my mom and dad were worried about my brothers in vietnam mm-hmm. my right. mother was like scattered 
Right. She was scattered everywhere. So nobody even realized that I had taken place. I I think I survived school and eating because I had two aunts that moved in with us at the age of before I was born because mm-hmm. she had to take in her sisters and brothers. Okay. So, uh, like she said, life goes on. Mm-hmm. It does. Time heals. However, that is another moment in your life that will always live with you and will shape your reality and shape your perspective on the world makes you very strong Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) at what point did you look at your mother and say enough is enough you will no longer beat me 16 what happened then she slapped me i looked at her I said, let this be the last time you ever lay a hand on me. I love you as my mother. I will always love you. I know and remember everything, everything from the age of three. And she just looked at me and she never asked for forgiveness, but her eyes did. And then after that, she never, ever tried to lay a hand on me. She always stuck around me, always lived next door to me. That's when I chose that I was going to take care of her for the rest of my life till the day she died. And I promised her that I would take care of her no matter what. I often say, and I don't know if I say this because it's my own coping mechanism, because as you can imagine these stories affect me tremendously. I often say things like, you suffer from Stockholm Syndrome, where you start to love your abuser and you start to make the abuse seem as if it's not as aggressive or as bad as it really was. Now, whether or not that's true, I don't know. However, I look at my situation and I don't know how I would be able to find that kind of forgiveness from somebody who has beat me most of my life and when found out that I had just been raped at the age of five by her boyfriend then beat me for that is there something specific in your relationship with her that brings that out she was my mother and we only have one mother and they're not perfect and she was a child when she had kids she dealt with life the only way she knew how now when she got older she understood what she did wrong she knew that she had done a lot of wrong and she tried to make up for that i never ever told my children about my childhood because it was the past but I have grandchildren and granddaughters and my eyes are open like a hawk and I am like just watching because of what I've been through and I forgave her and I know in her heart she was very very sorry for everything she had done We're not given a book on how to raise kids. She started at 13 and she had nine. Why? I have no idea. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, birth control and sex. I mean, she yeah. was a very obviously. Did you guys ever speak about any of those, any of those times that she had hit you or that she she knew? Abuse? Yeah, she knew. But did you talk about it? No. And I think the hardest thing for me is that my mother never, till the day she died, she showed me. One, she was not an affectionate mother. Never. Never showed us affection. Mm -hmm. So I did not know how to do that. I think I still have problems doing that because I did not know. No, None of us were raised with affection. So I've never wanted to be like that. So I will tell my children that I love them, my mm -hmm. grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And she died and never told me she loved me. Mm. But I knew she did. Mm -hmm. I knew she did. Was she an affectionate, gr affectionate grandmother? Did yes. she say, I love yes. you to the, your children? Yes, she loved them with all mm -hmm. her heart. She and would that's where she wanted to make it up. Mm -hmm. She would vocalize that to you. She did. Mm -hmm. She was very, very affectionate. Never showed them any, nothing. No abuse. Or nothing. Okay. Not, oh, my God, no. If I tried to do anything <laughs> to them... She, she was going to come. She was going to try to show me something mm -hmm. again. But, mm -hmm. you know, I am surprised to hear that you never heard the words. I love you from her. And I'm surprised because I did see your relationship with her and it did seem like a healthy one. Yes. I loved her till the day she died. Was there just this unspoken I think love, so. I like think how you can look in somebody's yes, eyes and it's yes, just there. Yes, okay. and she, she at the end of her last days would hold me, mm -hmm. and I would hold her while she was passing, and I could feel it. So let's not be selfish as women and say we cannot make it in life. Yes, you can. And now that there's so much help and resources and all this, these numbers and hotlines and it's almost overwhelming. I agree. Use it. Yes. Use it. Use mm -hmm. it. Because I did not have it. You Mine just figured it out. And it, and the good Lord was there. Mm -hmm. He is. When you turned 16 mm -hmm. and she slapped you mm -hmm. and you were like, that's it. That's this is it. literally going to be the last time you lay a hand on me. And she understood. Yep. Would it be safe to say that that was you making your decision for hope for the future, for a different lifestyle, for a different change? Definitely. I want. I did not want her life. I did not want to raise my children like that if I ever had any. I did not want that life. That is why infidelity for me is horrible. You mm -hmm. know, some women take it as, oh, well, my husband cheated or my wife cheated, so now I'm going to go cheat with everyone, you know. Uh, no, I do not because of that. When you were little and you were, you know, your aggressive mm -hmm. um, survival, doing what you needed to do to protect yourself. It was so much fun. I, I bet it was. <laughs> that kind of freedom, I mean, I bet it was. I would go to the store and... It and just kind of live your yeah, yeah. And just be free <laughs> just about kind it kind of yeah just eat whatever i wanted so you obviously had quote no fear 
Exactly. Right? You were pretty exactly. you were pretty sure that you were going to protect yourself and yes, so you were I was going to survive. How did that look when you were making plans for your future because all little girls dream. We all dream about something when we're younger. Did that ever play a role in how you thought you'd end up? You know, like when you I'm very big again on when did I know I was going to be okay? When did I know that this wasn't going to be my life? Obviously, when you turned 16 and you blocked, well, she slapped you and then you blocked that and you said enough is enough. That was a clear declaration of you saying, I know I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. as a child, you know how little girls look at Cinderella and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mine was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> You're <laughs> such a weirdo. <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, I like never, I never, we had a black and white TV. And tell me how I would know when that dang little Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is going to come on. I would always find out. Mm-hmm. And I was in front of that TV watching, and that took me away, I think, to another happy world. Christmas, to me, was the best time of my life because it still is by the way yes i can watch she's it. a christmas in july <laughs> hallmark kind of gal <laughs> <laughs> i am really yep wow i that took me to places you know the, it would just transport you well the glitter and the gold mm-hmm. i wanted silver and gold <laughs> <laughs> Mixed metals, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when I I knew that I was going to make it in life, Mm -hmm. and I was going to have silver and gold. Isn't that amazing? So even as as a child, there are moments, or there was a moment where you knew, this is why I'm going to make it, because I want silver and gold, despite what was happening in Mm -hmm. your household. Mm -hmm. And it really sends a message to everyone that even if you don't know it's happening, at some point you are actively or not thinking about how you're going to get better, how you're going to heal, how you're going to move forward. You've had quite an experience in life and these are just very few moments of other stories that I know personally, mm-hmm. but you're okay. I'm great. You're great, you've moved on, you are an active, healthy member of society. Yes, wonderful job. I loved it for 32 years. And then you retired from that job, and now you're a restaurant paneur. Yes. I love that word. It's <laughs> 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 hashtag restaurant paneur. I still do keep up in the medical field, though. Do you ever sit back and think about... And say... Yeah, about these moments and just look at yourself now and think, I cannot believe that I'm here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and just take a deep breath and go, wow. I think those are beautiful moments in time where you're able just to have that reflective piece of, of clarity where you're able to see everything that you have gone through and then you're sitting here in this very peaceful and happy, what I feel like is a very happy space for you. Very. Mm -hmm. And seeing my 
children smile and happy. Mm -hmm. I think, and I'm a very, I can say it now, I am a very strong woman. Mm -hmm. And, but when I, when my children tell me that they love me or they hug me, I break down and cry. (laughs) (laughs) So I try not to tell her ever because it doesn't go my way. (laughs) But, uh, I look at them and I'm so, so happy and so blessed that they are the way they are because I did not know how to raise children, but I kept saying if I push them, they need to have an education because I pushed mm-hmm. myself to get educated and to work at a hospital to be able to provide for them so that they could go to school and I threaten them once in a while, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm sure there are people who are listening and thinking to themselves, I have no idea how she does it. I would be traumatized. I'd have nightmares. I would need medication. I'd need a therapist. I'd need whatever. How has the trauma from your past surfaced in your future? in your current your present rather are there any other areas of your life where you're like you know what had this not happened to me I would be able to do this or had I not experienced this it would be easier for me to execute in this way you know I think that because of what I went through I've been able to make it this far there are women that go through one divorce and they want to kill themselves There are women that get raped and they have to be on medication and therapy for the rest of their lives. It's a choice, people. And and there's nothing wrong with the therapy and there's nothing wrong with the right medication and the right help. But sometimes, as a woman with a mind, you have the mind and the power to say, I'm going to be better. I'm going to have, I want to have more and be better in life because of what I've been through. I, I still want more. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I gotta keep all. the goals. I, <laughs> goals. I want that silver and gold. Let's go for the diamonds. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I agree with you, and I think Whitney would agree. Our well, the choice I think to do better, be better. The choice to live. I mean, I've said that before. Like I just felt like I was you know, so stagnant, right? And just stuck in that, um, I feel very much as a victim, right? And so I think for me personally, I did not want to feel like a victim anymore. I wanted to do better. I wanted to live. I wanted to experience. I wanted to embrace what had happened to me, right? The trauma I'm grateful for because it's shown me how to navigate this big scary world that we live in on a daily basis it's a cruel it's a cruel world Mm -hmm. and i agree about the decision Mm -hmm. i think that a lot of our choices that we have when we're in a marriage we don't wake up every day and say you know oh birdies come and pour shampoo and water (laughs) on me and it's a fairy tale that's why i stuck to rudolph you may (laughs) you make the decision to be in love with your husband every day Mm -hmm. you make the decision to be a good parent. You make the decision to actively actively be involved with your children. 
I will say something though. I may call you out a bit. You have a really hard time with affection. Yes. You have a really hard time with certain people. I would say, I would say with your grandchildren, you're pretty affectionate. However, I am noticing that as they get older, you are Pulling away? Pulling away physically, but are still very verbally affectionate. And I I would venture to say that maybe that hesitation you have for physical touch and physical affection stems from the trauma that you have from years of abuse and, you know, a horrible rape experience. That could be very true, which is very funny because actually today I went to two of my granddaughters and I said, hello, hi, okay, Nana's leaving, okay, all right. And they're like, Nana, and I said, okay, that's it. You see, you guys are grown up. You don't need Nana no more. That's (laughs) it. Nana's going to go drink coffee in the other room. And, of course, one of my granddaughters goes, well, Nana, What are we going to do? I don't know. I said we could go to the mall and take your dad's credit card. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But we don't have it. (laughs) So the interaction was was a little dull. It wasn't, you know, very. Because it's like they're doing their thing now. You know, Nana, it's boring. What are you going to do, Nana? Well, I'm going to dance for you. No, Nana, please don't do that. No, and even that, even Mm -hmm. you saying that, navigating boundaries, right? right? So in my household with my children, and you can judge me for this all you want, there are no boundaries. I am very much involved in their lives. Mm -hmm. I'm very much in their lives with regards to who they're talking to, who they're interacting with, why they're feeling a certain way. You know, I am, and I'm very much a parent. I'm not a friend. Mm -hmm. I love my children. They love me very much, but I am a more traditional parent. And they know and they understand what their roles are and they know what my role is. However, having said that, I am still very much of an affectionate person and I hug and kiss and I give a lot of physical affirmation. And I wonder if as they're getting older, you're kind of, you're like, well, these are the boundaries. I don't know which, I don't know how to cross that. I don't know if I have them stop what they're doing to say hi and give me a hug. And in my opinion, you never need a reason that could be true. You, you I, d- I will have to agree with you on that. I will. So but that, uh, but I one w- thing I can say is that I think I'm all up in my kids' lives. <laughs> <laughs> Very much. Even her adopted children. Even my, I, I am in. T- I, that and that's beautiful. <laughs> I agree with that. That's beautiful. So I was wondering, you know, because I do believe you when you say, "Look at me. I am living proof." that there is life after tragedy, that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that you can embrace the chaos, sink to the bottom, and learn to breathe underwater. Definitely. Not try to get in a speedboat and zip away, because guess what? That water is going to keep following you. Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, your boat's making waves, right? And they're (laughs) going to come crashing in. You You have to do the work. There is work involved in healing. There is work involved in choosing to do better and getting better. And and that healing journey that everybody is on, you have to put in the time. And that means embracing all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, all of those pieces. And those of you who are thinking that you just cannot make it in this world, remember one thing. We are all going to go 
Mm -hmm. one day. So enjoy the life that you're given. Enjoy the time that you have because we're not here forever. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So remember that. Mm -hmm. Enjoy your loved ones. Love your family. Mm -hmm. Love your children. I mean... I may not be very affectionate, but I'm working on it. Can no, I, no, no. Can I, I ask you a, qu a question, Sandy? <laughs> Definitely. Have you learned to love you? Have mm. you learned to love yourself? Yes. But there's still things I want to do to myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I just think that's a huge piece. Until you, you can't really love anybody or show that affection until you have loved, learned to love you. And, and it's mm -hmm. taken me a long, mm -hmm. long time. Mm -hmm. You know, and if we look back at just the few stories that we shared because there, there are endless unfortunate stories that we can um, talk for hours about. But I almost wonder if the decisions that you chose and the paths that you took were somehow related to the trauma that you experienced as a child. Were somehow, even though your first husband was a good man, mm -hmm. he was still very adulterous mm -hmm. and that's what your mother was mm -hmm. and then your second husband you yeah, saw the red flags he had it all sure but more with with the, the beatings yes. because i witnessed yes, a lot no, of that definitely the red flags were the there red but you ignored them i did and i and i almost wonder if for some reason that past trauma lingered and uh, like guided you in the worst way possible and as a woman you don't want to be alone so don't use that as an excuse yeah wait don't rush wait and i think that's what i was doing i had been alone for a while mm -hmm. i i dated here and there you know that wasn't my thing mm -hmm. i wanted a relationship. a relationship but don't don't rush that's where you start ignoring mm -hmm. yeah. the red I, flags i think to your point april like you're relating the things that she had gone through in her childhood to who she was picking as partners mm -hmm. in her in her past relationships. And I think that what jumped in my mind was we are very much creatures of habit and mm -hmm. comfort. And so even though those those were traumatic experiences or we witnessed people doing these traumatic things in our lives and in our history, she gravitated to that because it's what she knew exactly. and it was comfortable to her. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's definitely some, and some these people also have to stay busy. You have to work. You have to keep your mind mm -hmm. active. Absolutely. Yeah. And although you gravitated towards that and like Whitney said, were you able to love yourself? I think that there's been tremendous growth since your last quote, failed marriage, oh, which yes. I don't think we even have to call it a failure. I think we have to, we can call it survival, you know, <laughs> something yeah. that's, that was necessary. Mm -hmm. I think there has been tremendous growth because you broke that cycle Definitely. in yourself. You did not choose another partner that was abusive. Nope. You did not choose another partner that was going to be sleeping around. Mm -hmm. You chose somebody who respected you for who you were, yes. who understood the strength that you had within and supports that, doesn't break it down. Exactly. And you're very much a partner. Yes. So it may have taken you longer. However, you ultimately got there. Yes. And I want you all to know that our prayers are answered, not when we want them, <laughs> when the good Lord says, and yes, 
the Lord sent me an angel. Yes. Yes. <laughs> a total angel. Mm-hmm. So blessings. Yes. I think it's I think it's actually beautiful. And I think that if you have found peace in your life and you have found love for yourself, then you're unstoppable. And all of those prayers that you send to God and all of those asks that you throw out into the universe, because they are backed with peace and they are backed with love, that's ultimately what you receive. And it does come back. Well, I think that that's all for now. We are so very grateful to you for being here, for sharing your stories, for sharing your insights and your thoughts. There are certain moments in our lives that are not always beautiful. We all have our crosses to bear and you have just completely shared that with our listeners. So we thank you for that. And for all of you listening out there, we hope that you find some inspiration and hope and be sure to tune in to the next episode. Thank you so much, Sandy, for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me.